Humans are a slow species. Physically, anyway. If a human wants to go somewhere, they get up on two appendages that they call legs and move them back and forth, propelling them along a level surface at about three miles per hour. Some humans can exceed this rate by doing something called running, but only for a limited period of time before their energy reserves are depleted. However, if the terrain is rough or inclined, the rate of travel can significantly decrease. Humans are also, however, an impatient species. Despite their relative physical slowness compared with other species on their planet, they are much more intelligent. This intelligence advantage has enabled them to succeed despite their tendency towards impatience. Sometime between 4,000 and 6,000 years ago, the humans convinced another species, which they call horses, to carry them around. This represents a significant improvement to the human's mobility, as a horse can travel faster for a longer duration than any human could possibly hope to achieve. Around this same time, the humans also developed vessels propelled by atmospheric air currents with which they traversed the waterways of the planet. However, still at speeds rather similar to a horse. And so it was for millennia until approximately 250 years ago when the advent of the steam engine quickly began to change the pace of human life. 170 years ago, the first rail-based steam-powered vehicles, commonly called trains, exceeded the speed of the fastest horses and could do so relentlessly. The internal combustion engine developed from the steam engine would bring similar speeds to ground vehicles free from the restriction of rails, called automobiles. However, for all the impact the steam engine and later the internal combustion engine had on the human quest for speed, perhaps the most significant event occurred on December 17, 1903, on a windy beach in a region called North Carolina, when two brothers, Orville and Wilbur Wright, achieved sustained flight of a powered vehicle. Now that the humans had managed to fly, the speed records would begin to tumble at a rapid pace. No longer shackled by the confines of earthly transportation, humans would travel their planet at ever-increasing rates. They quickly, however, hit the first great hurdle in the development of aircraft, the speed of sound. Indeed, the rudimentary mathematics used by the humans to develop their aircraft showed that speeds in excess of the speed of sound were impossible, as the energy required to reach such a velocity would become infinite. Undeterred, the humans pressed forward in their quest of speed to go faster than sound, to go supersonic. It's Encyclopedia Brunch. My name is Tim Dobbs, and with me, as ever, across this very table, hey, it's Catherine Kogart. Good to be here. Thanks for having me over. <laughs> Thanks for having me over. Oh, right. This is my house. <laughs> here, recording Encyclopedia Brunch. Yes. Catherine's hosting brunch this week. I am. We made Bloody Marys. That's right. Yes. And the third uh, pseudo person at the table. Nope. Nope. Wait. The third oh. person pseudo at the table. Is it this fish? It's... It's a lovely man named Joe Batwinnis who oh, yeah. wrote our introduction this week on supersonic flight. Joe Batwinnis is not a fish. He's a real human who's very smart and very nice. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, if he figured out anything about supersonic flight, he's very smart because we've been reading about it and boy, are my arms tired because I keep <laughs> waving them around going, Catherine, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Can I say boy, are my arms tired is like one of my favorite like things to say at an inappropriate time. 
<laughs> yeah, all right. What's what's number two on that um, list? Um, let's see. There was I once had a friend who was teeing a class, TAing a class for mm-hmm. his first time ever, and he was like, "I don't know what to say to the class, like, because it's like it feels awkward because it's such a giant, it's like a big lecture hall, and it's like ten students in here. So I don't know what to say to like diffuse that situation. And I was like, "Here's what you say. I just came in from the back of the classroom. Boy, are my arms tired." <laughs> Did he do it? No, because he's a pansy. Ugh. He's a really nice guy. <laughs> Have you ever TA'd a class? <laughs> uh, no, I've not. Will you? Is that like in your in your future? Um, it's. I think it's unlikely, but it, I think anything's you, possible. You should really look to do it because clearly you've got so much practice here on Encyclopedia Brunch. <laughs> I've stood up in front of a lot of groups of people and <laughs> not made them laugh, but made them feel pressured enough to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, no, no, no. This is it's. It's really a <laughs> comedy is not about comedy. No. Anyone who tells you that is wrong. It's political science. You have to wield the power correctly. Right? Yeah, you have to make people feel like ah, she clearly doesn't want to be here, <laughs> so I'll just laugh to make her feel better. That's funny. I tend to go more with the uh, what will he do to me if I don't laugh? Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. You like to intimidate. Yeah. Yeah. Would you rather um, ha- wield power through fear or would you rather have everyone love you? Uh, let's see. The answer from the office was both. I'm going to go with neither. Yeah. Thank you for remembering that. Yeah. The office, though. It was a fine show. Yeah, it was a good show. Yeah. You know, I recently rewatched the last couple seasons. Of The Office? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed them. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Are you going to ask me about something I've watched recently? Uh, What have you watched recently? Thank you. I need something a little more specific. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. I watched the intro to Clarissa Explains It All recently. Na, 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 na. And with that intro, we talk about supersonic flight. Way cool. Hey. Hey. It is way cool. (laughs) So as as Joe put it in the intro, by the way, Joe Batwinis, uh, of the Brachylobe Media Network, and we'll have uh, some links to some great ways to get in touch with Joe on the show notes, because he's the best, and you should talk to him. I We can't just keep saying all of these people who do our show that are the best. Why not? I guess it's true. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the best is a category. It's not a person. Oh, it's a category. Mm-hmm. It's a tier. It's, yeah. Okay. The tiers go the best, I don't yeah. know, and the worst. Okay. Yeah. No, that sounds bad. They're the best. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, uh, uh, check out Joe's work at uh, Science Sort of and uh, the Brackley of Me Network Pretty in general. Okay. And supersonic flights. Oh, yeah. So uh, Joe makes the point of saying that our math for a long time made it seem like supersonic flight would be impossible. So that's weird, right? It is weird. Because something's going fast, and why can't it just go faster? Like, well, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, I can see... Okay, so can you, can you real quickly for me, real mm-hmm. quickly, can you lay down some truths with respect to sure. what supersonic speed actually oh, is? Oh, for that. Yeah. I thought you just meant in general. And then, okay, so first tell me what supersonic speed is. And then if you have any, like, truths you want to lay down We'll save here, those. Yeah. Any confessions you want to bring <laughs> uh-huh. to this very special episode? <laughs> this uh, podcast church? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. Okay. Yeah. We'll get to uh, how uh, my body's changing and I'm, I'm uncomfortable uh, later oh, yeah. on this very special episode. Sure. Uh, so supersonic flight. So the speed of sound is, it took me a very long time to understand. <laughs> 
But basically, uh, you do what I do whenever I think about any fluid mechanics, and I think about a bunch of balls bouncing around. <laughs> yeah. And we say that those are molecules, and um, they're just bouncing around the room. And say you hit, I don't know, you swung a shovel, and you hit a couple of the balls. <laughs> Why a shovel? I don't know. I need something kind of flat, you know, because you don't okay. want to hit one ball. You're hitting sort of like a mass of Why balls. Not like a rake. All right, so you swing a rake. Okay, okay. Why not like a spade? Uh, too small. Okay. Snow shovel? Snow shovel. Okay. So you get a snow shovel and you swing that at some of the balls. And what they're going to do is you, you put some force into those balls. They're going to hit some other balls. The balls that are next to them. That are next to them, exactly. They're neighbor balls. And the original balls will bounce backwards a little bit. The neighbor balls will bounce forward a little bit. And the process will continue. They'll hit some other neighbor balls backwards and forth. Right. And so what you end up with is uh, a section of the room where the balls are all about to hit each other and they're packed very tight. Yeah. And a section of the room where the balls are just bouncing away from each other. Right. And they're packed very loosely. And this is subsonic speed. This is subsonic speed. Right. So it's like a wave. Right. Um, now imagine that uh, you swung that shovel as fast as the balls can bounce into the other balls. So the balls have some sort of maximum velocity that they can. Exactly. Okay. Uh, what will happen instead is all the balls will collect on your shovel. Right. And it'll be more like scooping. Right. It's a good thing we brought a shovel. All right. Yeah. Huh. So they're really, really dense. Yeah. Okay. So what we see happens instead, uh, if, if we move this into fluid mechanics, like a plane flying through the air, for instance, um, is that every... At first, you're just causing sound to propagate forward. But then as you start to catch up with that sound that's propagating forward, you're actually compressing the sound waves yes because you're every time the sound waves move forwards you kind of like move forward a little bit with it as well yeah. and create another one because and you're still pushing on it it's worth to define what a sound wave is at this point oh and a sound wave is um it's basically just like um so any kind of wave it's a variation right so you have high and then low something intensity um in this case pressure so you have high pressure and then you have low pressure and then you have kind of a wave in between Right, and and to move this into the ball metaphor, we just say the high, high pressure ball is density, low ball density. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, right, exactly. So we're sending that sound forward, and uh, what happens is you you start to catch up and catch up and catch up, and the balls are all collecting on the shovel, or the air is all collecting on the front of the plane. Mm -hmm. Is it's as though you're trying to push the plane through something denser and denser, denser and denser air mm -hmm. until. At the speed of sound, it's essentially infinite density because you're collecting all of the world's air on the front of your plane. Yeah, it's very, very high density. And that is a sonic boom, right? Uh, we'll get to the sonic right, boom. Right. Uh, well, well, seems okay. like a pretty good... Uh, okay. That'll be a good uh, act two cliffhanger. Well, we'll see. <laughs> so, If we get to act two <laughs> foreshadowing... <laughs> Nothing is known. You have to deal with an uncertainty in this life and this podcast. Yeah. And uh, we will find out when we come back in a moment on Encyclopedia Brunch. And we're back on Encyclopedia Brunch talking about supersonic flight. Hey. And why it is not possible because we're 
Because because as you dent, as you go faster and faster, you're trying to move the plane through just infinitely dense. You know, it's like trying to fly through a rock. It'll never work, right, Catherine? It can't be done. Well, come on. You madmen are trying to make this happen, and I tell you, it cannot be done. Well, but like. Close the patent office. I don't know. What about bullwhips? That's true. Yeah. So if uh, if one looks at objects that move faster than the speed of light, we find that uh, speed of light. Um, <laughs> that one. We this, the Millennium Falcon. Well. <laughs> uh, neutrinos that one time we thought, but then turned out no. <laughs> turned out the machine just wasn't plugged in or something. Uh Objects that move faster than the speed of sound have included, uh, yeah, the bullwhip. So clearly the tip of a bullwhip. That's why it makes that yeah. snap. Yeah. Um, That's a little sonic boom. Rawhide. <laughs> well, so this gets us to what a sonic boom is. So we figured out how to do it, right? <gasps> ah! <laughs> uh, hey, cool. <laughs> did, you, did you understand how, uh, how we got over that? Because so my understanding is if you get to the actual speed of sound, yeah, it's like just infinite density and yeah. and it it can't be done. However, if you already have some acceleration though. You will accelerate past the speed of sound. So traveling at the speed of sound I could see would would be extremely difficult because you have so much heat, so much friction, so many things pushing back against the plane. But if you already have so, if an, you are already an object with some acceleration, you can accelerate past the speed of sound and bypass this big stupid wall of stuff which then busts out and that's a sonic boom. And then you have um an object traveling faster than the speed of sound at supersonic speeds. What's on the other side? What's beyond infinite density? <laughs> you have um a particle so you are traveling above the speed of sound. You're traveling faster than a particle can travel. Mhm. Um, so you have, it is hitting the next particle, but by the time it hits like the next particle to make that density, like big, that high density spot, you're already gone. So you don't even care. Yeah. You're, you're outrunning density. <laughs> yeah. So this is, I mean, this is what I thought was really interesting. So we talk, um, you know, when you start to talk about like the speed of light, uh, in your, your like college physics classes, you talk about how like nothing can go faster than the speed of light. And so in a sense, that is also a limit on the speed of information um until you get into like kooky quantum stuff um that's what you know it's like well just nothing goes faster than the speed of light that's that Mm -hmm. including knowledge um which is like a weird thing to think about but when we talk molecularly the speed of sound is that limit because exactly what you're saying the the one molecule can't bump into the next molecule to be like oh hey by the way we're going this way now in time and so it just kind of like yeah it gets like moved to the side um and all the sheets of air can't talk to each other. Or, they I mean, they do talk to each other, but by the time they, like, the game of telephone gets to the next air sheet, you're already gone, so you don't really care. Mm. So yeah. within your frame of reference, it appears that way. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know if you if you got it, but, like, I have a sense that the fluid mechanics get kind of kooky there, too, like, where you have to model how how the molecules exactly are riding on, yeah. the, on the plane. Yeah, my understanding of it was that you have... Um, Certain effects become more pronounced. Like, for example, you have heat generation and friction against the plane gets much, much, turns into a much, much bigger problem than it does at subsonic speeds. So you have to build your planes out of more heat resistance. Yeah, my understanding is there's something called duralumin, which is an aluminum alloy. And that's a typical plane uh, material. But you do not do that if your plane is going to travel uh, at supersonic speeds for very long because it gets too hot. And that's that's a problem as you even approach supersonic speeds. 
um, just because I don't know. You have, it's it's uh, real dense. If you're traveling through, yeah, yeah. more dense particles, you have more things that are banging against the side of your plane and making more friction, which generates heat. So you got to make it out of something else. Yeah, yeah. Additionally, as things generate heat, uh, I think we should do a whole episode on jet turbines sometimes because okay. they're complicated. And I hope Joe will help. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we should be nice to him, so he'll help. <laughs> um, but I mean, that's the only reason why, right? <laughs> Uh, but so the idea is a jet turbine, um, takes and compresses air uh-huh. and, oh, then we get energy out of it somehow. Ugh. We we get it moving real fast. You know what? We're yeah. We get it moving real fast. Okay, right. Yeah. And then that, you know, shoots force out the back of it. Well, okay. We'll do an episode on this. Can we just do an episode on this? My point is though. Yeah. That, uh. I just don't feel prepared right now. Okay. They need to, they need to, uh, you get less efficiency if you're intaking hot air because uh-huh. as you compress a gas, it heats up. Yeah. Um, which is the inverse of what happens if you have like a compressed air thing and you release it and it gets cold. Yeah. Um, and so if it's already hot, it doesn't have that much more room to heat up and you actually lose efficiency there. Oh, interesting. But we'll do an episode on that, okay, I think. Okay, great. So, but that's another reason when, as things get hotter, you're in trouble. <laughs> so you actually need to cool down the air as it's coming into the turbine sometimes. And additionally, because of weird kooky fluid mechanics things, <laughs> uh, which is our version of quantum mechanics, is like, oh, it's supersonic. It's weird. Uh, uh, sometimes you need to slow down the air as it comes into the jet turbine because, again, jet turbines, they're used to a certain thing. And if you're going faster than the speed of sound to begin with, yeah, you got to figure out some kind of like baffle or something. Right. Um, let's talk about sonic booms real quick. Okay. Uh, let's jaw about sonic booms. What's up? What's right. up, brah? Hang on, Catherine. I need to both turn our chairs around okay. and flip our baseball caps. Right. Oh, I can do that. <laughs> let's chat. Yeah. Um. So we talked about how uh, basically, you're if you're going the speed of sound, you're keeping up with the speed of sound. Um. And so, <laughs> ah, there'll be a diagram. <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 I'm kidding. Uh, there will be a diagram in the notes, but um, but also uh, basically what happens is you're going as fast as all the sound you're generating. And so all the sound you're generating sort of collects with you because, again, the information can't move to the molecules in front of you because you're moving at that same speed. And so it all collects up on you. And then as as you pass somebody, the sound is trailing just a little behind, all in a big pile. So all the sound you made over however long... Uh, collects in a big pile, and that's why when something is going supersonic, uh, it makes a big boom. It's not just the transition into uh, supersonic speeds. It's also that it's collecting all that sound, and then it's just like, hey, I collected this sound for the past six months. Hey, do you want it? <laughs> for the past six months? Yeah, I just know I've been meaning to get rid of it, but like I'm going Mach 3, you know, and... So to be more proactive about getting rid of your sound. Just, I'm so busy. I have to go this speed all the time. So much sound. I just feel like it's go, go, go. So chatty. <laughs> You're right. I'll take a break. And we'll be back in a moment. I was like, we'll be there brunch.
And we're back on Encyclopedia Brunch. What? Talking about, yeah, Supersonic Flight. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. So we talked about Sonic Booms earlier. Yeah. Um, what, what are you, what is the context in which you're most familiar with a Sonic Boom? Um... Can I say my favorite context? Yeah. I think the bullwhip is my favorite context. I think that's fun. I think it's easy to like reproduce. Um, it's really satisfying mm. to make that noise. Good little fact. Can you can you run a bullwhip? Is that like a skill of yours? Run a bullwhip? Well, I mean like a whippable whip. Yeah. Can you not? I don't know. I've never had a whip. Really? What are you like, Indiana Jones? Yeah. Oh. Are you not? No. <laughs> oh. Can I be... Uh... The guy <sighs> in the fez? Yeah, I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway off to morocco <laughs> you want to be uh bob hope and Ming crosby with me road to morocco <laughs> uh after you helium hips see our episode on musicals, musicals. <laughs> so the if you were uh a floridian or perhaps a new yorker uh-huh. in the 70s sure the context in which you may be most familiar with sonic booms is getting them to not show up over where you live oh. because you want to ban the concord from landing in u.s airspace so the Concord was one of two uh, commercially run supersonic planes, planes really? that go uh, that fast. Okay. Uh, the other one was the Tupolev TV-144. Who ran the Concord? Uh, it was a joint venture between the British and French governments going with their both nationalized airlines, British Airlines and Air France. Oh, of course it was British Airlines. You know what those, they're just... Those airlines are just so classy. So classy. Everybody looks so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. They're put together. Put together. Got those accents. That's the dream. Just to have a cool accent. And be put and together. A nice scarf. <laughs> Would you move? Would you move to another country <laughs> specifically to... Get because, a cool accent. Listen, your accent's your accent. But, like, there's probably a place in the world where that's cool. Where? <laughs> China? I don't know. Grant... Australia. Oh, the peanut gallery suggests <laughs> Australia. <laughs> Thank you, peanut gallery. Uh, so there you go. You can move to Australia. Okay. Okay. And you know what? The flight home wouldn't take that long if you flew on a Concorde. Uh, uh, wait, how long? Uh, let's see. Flight to Australia from here is probably roughly like 19 hours. hours. Yeah. So like 10 hours. Yeah. So you could actually cut it in half, which is pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. Just take I could do 10, though. Yeah, I could do 10. Although it's a narrow body design what on the Concorde. What books Because I'll get, I'll get back to you on that. <laughs> no, no, no. Tell me now. <laughs> I would read The Concorde, A History. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, one of those guys. I hate theme travelers. <laughs> really? When I go someplace, I like to, like, buy a book that's, like, a fiction book. Yeah. Not, like, a big, heavy read. I'm not going to read War and Peace and go to Russia, you know, whatever. But, you like... But it feels like pressure to finish the book within that time span. Mm-hmm. I, um... When I went to Italy, when I went to Italy, um, somebody got me a book about Venice, and I was like, I don't want to read this in Venice uh-huh. because it was like I have to finish the book while I'm in Venice. And you I don't have to. So I bought I bought Zorba the Greek when I was in Athens, uh-huh. and did not finish it. Okay, but then later because I'd read like a third of it or half of it in Greece, yeah. then later when I kept reading it, it was very like, oh, this is like my vacation still going. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Okay. Consider in your future travels. I might. On the Concord. Ooh, thank you for these travel tips, <laughs> ABC. Good morning, America. <laughs> yeah, I'm gunning for that position. 
And now they're going to call. Bring a sandwich. Because the sandwiches at the airport are just way too expensive. So just since we're talking about airports, yeah, uh, man, I just always buy the sandwich. I, I love too. Oh, I just I just love buying stupid crappy airport food. Oh my god, thank you for saying that. I love buying Qdoba at SeaTac. Mm -hmm. That's the only place that I like. Oh, I just love. Oh yeah, I get it. Oh, it's just so great. <sighs> well, Are you talking about something. <laughs> you might you might have had uh. <laughs> on the Concorde, you probably would have had champagne or something because it was very expensive because it's super expensive to run the the, the fuel economy. Not that great. The Concorde was one of uh, a few super cruising planes and super cruising just means holding it above uh, uh, Mach 1 for I mean, a length of time. Really fun to say super cruising. Know, right. So <laughs> it sounds like a really fun thing you do on a Friday night. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, or a not fun thing that you do on a Friday night. Let's be honest. Well. Either or. Each his own. Well, each his own, but also respect women. Well, you could cruise for anything. What? Name other things that people, people, Grapes? huge humans. Huge humans. <laughs> no, excuse me. Regular sized humans. <laughs> cruise for that aren't women. I said grapes. Um, no, when? They cruise for bruisins. Oh, people cruise for bruisins. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Name two other things. Could they cruise to lose? No, they don't. Yeah. No, they don't. Some people do. Some people have self-sabotaging issues. When? <laughs> Just, I'm working on it with my therapist. I don't know why you need to be so difficult about this. Because I'm working on it with my therapist. <laughs> and they cruise to refuse to use drugs. <laughs> Thank you, Nancy Reagan. You did it. You did it. I'm proud of you. <laughs> Me too. And so, the super cruising that the uh, Concorde did, though. Yeah. Um... Even that, so it's it's it just takes a lot of energy because you got to get over the density of the air and overcome all that drag to get into that next. Must phase. have been pretty fuel intensive. It's pretty fuel intensive, and so but people were willing to pay for it okay. because you can get hours you know Australia, mm -hmm, New York to London about three hours, you know. Oh my gosh! Uh, so it ran mostly from London and Paris because that's where it was located, um, or you know that's where those those airlines are are centered. And they did some Singapore trips. They did some Dubai trips. Um, and yeah, it was it was like big glitzy and fancy. And then, well, and then for a long time, they didn't stop in the U.S. because we had bans on sonic booms because we were like, eh, I don't need your shit. Like, That's don't loud. leave your pile of sound over here. It's inconvenience. <laughs> I swear to God, our noise pollution regulations are way better than our anything else pollution regulations. That's good. I don't know, though, but like, oh, well, this is this is our classic engineered wonders question. And I guess we should count ourselves lucky that this is one of the few places it's really come up here, uh, which is that, is it worth it? Because like, you know, we were cutting ourselves off from an elite class of business people who like, you know, got stuff done. I mean, to put quotes around Before everything I just said. Crashed. <laughs> yes. Uh, so things were getting done and then the con a Concorde crashed, uh, one of the fleet in 2000. And then uh, in addition, uh, air travel in general downturned after 9-11. And so... And the Concorde only works when you have lots of wealthy people who want to get places fast and right. you have to hit a critical mass. And they were flying some routes that were just like basically no one was on it, which would have been so cool. <laughs> did you ever, did you ever like ride the bus like, I don't know, on a field trip or something where just like no one else was on it for some reason? Oh, yeah. It was so great. Like, oh, the bus is all for me. Oh. It would have been like that, but on a Concorde. Um, you know, Amtrak used to be like that. The Amtrak Cascade used to be like that. Mm, really? So nice, yeah. It's gotten more popular, though. Mm -hmm, it has. Oh, it's, it's a nice a line. Yeah. yeah. Love riding the Cascade line. Love riding the Cascade mm. line. Mm. Yeah. 
Trains, great. Trains, the best. A lot slower than uh, than supersonic flight, though. Well, yeah. It's it's still an efficient way to go. That's so ah, uh, it's so soothing. Yeah, the rocking and all that. Um, if you may recall, uh, Elon Musk's uh Hyperloop white paper. Yeah. And one of the things he said in that was like, this Hyperloop is a great idea for cities about 500 miles apart. Beyond that, yeah, you're better off just taking a supersonic jet. Oh, Elon. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, again, so like, you know, if that's uh, something, if we intend to get to a point where like, you can just be anywhere anytime you want, whenever. So globalization to the max, we can, you know, talk about if that's a great idea. But if we intend that, then, you know, supersonic jets are making their way back uh, and we'll have to contend with all those noise regulations and all that yeah. and, and kind of come to some conclusion there. Yeah. They say that they're working on little uh, business jets, you know, kind of like a, you know, a 10 person business jet that someone might fly except for supersonic. Right. Sounds hard. Fuel intensive. All right. I got one more fact. Is it fun? It's okay. Scale of one to ten. How fun is it? Three. Oh, why are we doing this? Or it's not sad. <laughs> that shouldn't be the standard. It's kind of fun. What do you know about Mach numbers? Uh, that. Why don't we just give it in miles per hour? Because it's like a fact. It's like a multiple of how many times the speed of sound you are, right? Right. Yeah. Was that the fact? No. Okay. It's it's only slightly better though. Okay. Which is it's that? It's kind of like warp. I think it's probably where they got it, right? <laughs> Do you think is warp in in science fiction where warp exists? Is that yeah. the same thing, but for light? Is warp uh, two twice the speed of light? Yeah. Oh, yeah. why wouldn't you just call it? Oh, I guess because okay, we don't call it sound one, sound two. Uh, because it's you're in a warp bubble and you're warping space and time around you. Mm, That's it's a warp. I see. Well, so you mock some mocks around you. I don't know what um, to do with the mocks. Did, can I have a fun fact? Uh, no, we're not done with mine. No, we are. And then you can have yours. Okay, but like, I want a sub fact. Okay, what fine. In your fact. Let's nest these facts. Okay. The Mach 5 is the name of Speed Racer's car. And the Mach 3 is the name of a razor I used once. Okay. <laughs> See how fun, how much more fun this is? All right. What's the Mach 2? It's your turn. <laughs> Mach 2 is. Uh, Someone is also making fun of you. <laughs> <laughs> and the Mach 1 is the fun fact at the end of this episode, which is that uh, you don't just use miles per hour because it actually changes. So the speed of sound is different at different altitudes and planes move at different altitudes. Oh, we'll do that. And so you need to be thinking, oh, it's not just 760 miles per hour. It's because Variable. stuff gets real hard uh, when you're going speed of sound. So that's important to them. And they have to have their things. And that brings this episode to a close. Okay. You seem disappointed. No, I, I, yeah. No, this is fine. Well, okay. I mean, I mean it's fine. Hang on. It's fine. I'm sure I have you something have, else in here. You think more fun? Um, Just like one fun thing. Oh, gosh. The Sears Hawk body diagram. Um, uh, compressible flow. That doesn't sound very good. Um, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Catherine, I got nothing. It's all falling apart. How about the Whitcomb area rule? Oh, uh, uh, and with that exhaust. Bye, Catherine. Oh, well, we'll be back next week. I hope Catherine comes back next week, and I hope you too come back next week, listener. Until then, that's Catherine Cogart way over there. Bye. And Tim Dobbs right here. Bye. Ooh, ooh.